And this is a lot of guilt. And I think this is something that, you know, is hard to talk about, but is very hard to make the choice of whether one, move your parent out of their home when they can no longer be there. And then two, to not be the person to take care of them, to not become their caretaker. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Kat. Now, Kat, I have a question for you. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? I have a sick parent. My biggest secret about it is that I tend to carry around this grief with me all of the time that I think is maybe not visible on my, you know, my everyday life, but is uh, something that I think I'm constantly coping with. Interesting. Now, can I ask which parent is sick or what's yeah. the illness? Yeah. My dad um, has had Alzheimer's for about eight years, a little longer. Wow. I, I haven't ever had anybody in my life have that. Can you explain to us what that's like? Yeah. Well, like the disease itself or, or what it's like. Well, the, I guess, I mean, all of it, like the experience when you found out eight years ago and he found out that his mind is changing. How has that been like through the process? Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, I mean, I think this is the case with almost all Alzheimer's patients, but it is a very slow process for the most part, especially, um, if it's not early onset, if it's, if it's just general dementia or Alzheimer's, it is, it is sort of a slow going process and there are medications that can slow it down, which he is on. Um, the way we knew is that he was giving away, um, a lot of, uh, of money to people. Um, he also, wait, what do you mean that he was giving away a lot of money? Uh, so, um, I'm from a small town and somehow some people had realized that he uh, was sick and they started taking money from, they started asking him for money and then they would come multiple times a day. And I mean, just in checks alone, we know he wrote over $8,000 to one person. No. Horrifying. Yeah. And it is technically elderly abuse, but we never. That's definitely elderly abuse. That actually irks me when people go after the elderly. And did you, you, so you didn't go after this person? We did not because, so, I mean, the one thing you have to really think about when you have a parent with, it was really important for me. And it's something I think about a lot. It was, I'm trying to allow him to keep his dignity. And that's very hard as a person. Um, You know, he was also having hoarder. He always had hoarder tendencies and it got really bad. So his house was, we weren't gone 
we had seen him fairly recently, but his house had become like overrun with um, stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was, it was pretty disgusting. Um, and um, in order to prosecute, he would have to go on the stand and we'd have to prove that he wasn't fit to make that decision. And I was not ready to put him through that. That makes total sense. And let's go back to the hoarding thing. Is that like, was he buying stuff and hoarding it or like getting stuff off the street or just, you know, there's so many different types of ways people hoard. Yeah. Any, any, and all of the above really. I mean, um, anyone who has had like a hoarder in their life knows that knows that they're the kind of person who, yeah, stuff off the street, someone's giving away, you know, a stack of mattresses, they're going to take that into their house, but then also just junk. And, um, you know who I really hate is junk mail people. <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. I hate junk mail. Yeah. Hate it. Yeah. He also, and this is no fault of these organizations, but was giving a lot of money to organizations, which I think he he did do throughout his whole life, but then he just started giving to anyone who would advertise to him and whether or not they were real, like nonprofits, et cetera, but some that I don't even think were real. And he gave away a lot of money to those. And there was a lot, they send you a lot of mail. And I know that doesn't sound like much, but if you're giving to a hundred of them, that stuff adds up. So it was just his, I mean, you could not see the floor of of any room of his house really at that point. Wow. I mean, seeing your father, as you know, his daughter, how did that feel like having no control or power to like fix him or how did that feel? Right. Well, I mean, exactly. There is like a lack of power because as a child, you're used to this very traditional, you know, parent's child relationship, right? They're in charge. They make the decisions. And, um, suddenly you have to flip that, you know, the first thing we did was we had to, you know, get in charge of his finances because even though he was still capable of living alone for a while, he, uh, was unable obviously to take care of his own finances because he wasn't paying bills, but he was instead writing checks to random people who would come to his house at, I mean, these people would show up at his house at like three in the morning and ask him. That is so, that makes me so mad. I'm like angry right now. Like I could like punch someone, but which is not the answer. People do not do that. But I, it makes me so angry. So that started happening. Was that the wake up call? Did you go and visit him or how did you know this was happening? Well, I was, um, we're from a small town and the bank called us. The bank, this is how small it is that the bank (laughs) called us and said, you know, something's going on with your dad. And he's pulling out all this money in the middle of the night. He's writing all these checks. We don't know who they're to. We just thought you should know. So uh, my brother and I flew down there. Here's the thing. I mean, the thing about this disease that's so weird is that people can present as very normal because they they can fake it. And my dad is a highly intelligent man. Um, He was a politician for a lot of his life. So he's very good at faking being normal. And so I, it took me, there was a lot of me going through trying to accept whether or not it was real, but it's hard to deny it when all the money, the money was what really uh, made us realize that it was happening. But even then it was hard for me to accept it was real. And he never accepted it. Like even we, we got him, he was diagnosed, he would never accept it. Um, So to this day, (laughs) he hasn't accepted it to this day. Right, exactly. But I mean, at this point, he's almost nonverbal. So like, I mean, there's not much, you know, there, th- at this point, it doesn't really matter. But no, he's never really he's never accepted that he's sick. Wow. I know this is a probably a hard question to answer. And you just said he's nonverbal. But was there a time where you would come and he wouldn't know who you were? Has that happened? No. So, so we moved him out to Los Angeles. So I moved him out to Los Angeles. Um, uh, 
I mean, almost eight years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. we did, he lived, he lived, my brother lived with him for a while. We had people living with him for a while um, who were helping out some nurses, some um, et cetera. But uh, eventually we just decided that the care, like a mem- there are actual memory care facilities here in Los Angeles that I really liked when I toured them. And so we moved him out here so he could be um, with people who specialized in this kind of thing. And I really think it is actually, it, it was a, not a smooth transition, but it's been a smoother decline, I think, because of that, because he can go and work with these people who are, who know how to work with people specifically with Alzheimer's. He goes to class, quote unquote, most days mm-hmm. where he learns stuff. It keeps his mind active, which I think is better than where we're from. The the facilities I found were just like, kind of like put them in a room and, you know, and, and I, and this is a lot of guilt. And I think this is something that, you know, is hard to talk about, but is very hard to make the choice of whether one, move your parent out of their home when they can no longer be there. And then two, to not be the person to take care of them, to not become their caretaker. Um, Because my brother and I, my brother was his caretaker for a while um, and it proved to be too hard. Um, And it worked better to have strangers, not strangers, but people who he would listen to. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And uh there's a lot of guilt surrounding that. There's a lot of guilt of like, why did I not just move him into my house? Why did I not just give up my life and move back home and take care of him? Uh, we didn't know how long it would last. It could have been a year. It could have been six months, but instead it would have been eight years of my life. And I just wouldn't, I mean, I would come back and have not a way to support myself was, yeah, I mean, you know how the industry is. I work in the oh, industry yeah. and uh, if you left for eight years, you would not be able to return. <laughs> oh no. They'd be like, who are you? What have you done? Even though you have a resume, but I do have to say like, on, you know, that guilt. And I think that's where like the secret and not talking about it lies, but you don't have the tools to even take care of him because my, my father's mother got really ill too. And, and he struggled the last couple of years taking care of her. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I wouldn't have the, the, the nursing skills that he needs. Um, but for a while I, I could have, I could, I definitely could have, and I made the choice not to, um, which is hard. And it, it definitely, uh, I feel a lot of guilt around that for sure. I mean, when things are going on, when you have a parent that is going through something like this, you're going to be in and out of the hospital just because of the health problems they're going to have. Um, he falls quite a bit and ends up in the hospital. Um, we had problems with um, with a tooth that put him in the hospital for like a month. I mean, like that, just like because of his the state of his health and because if his um, his cognition is just not great, there's just like a lot of problems that end up happening. Um, I mean, just like one time off the top of my head, I uh, I am an actress and I had an audition and I was literally sitting in the hospital at the time of my audition. And you know, it's hard to explain to people. You know, you don't want to get into the backstory of it all. And then you're like, well, I'm in the hospital with a loved one and I can't leave him because he uh, doesn't have the he, he can't be left alone in a hospital. He's in where he is. And that's too confusing. And if he tries to get up and whatever. So, um, yeah, I would I would, you know, miss auditions. I would miss. um Yeah. Miss appointments. And also just like trying to pay attention, you know, when you're going through something and you're just trying to pay attention but you know there's so much you just can't (laughs) oh girl when I was my like first year of sobriety in my program I could not go to any auditions I remember I would get these calls for auditions and so much like trauma and stuff was coming in my brain that I for a year did not work like I could not literally walk into the room with everything going on 
outside and internally. So I get it. Like it's hard to function and it's hard to become someone else when you're going through something personally. I don't think people understand that. That is actually a really good point. That's exactly what it is, is that you, if you don't have a good sense of self or something to jump off from, it's going to be very difficult to do something something else. And I, even looking back at my work during that time, I'm like, wow, that, I'm horrible in this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, I had a lot of my mind. And I think it's interesting because I definitely had to carry around the grief of, um, you know, because I lost him as a father a long time ago, but I have him in a different capacity now. But I kind of like grieved that relationship for a long time. But you can't say, well, my he didn't die. And like, there's almost like, I wish I could wear an armband that just said like, I'm sorry if I treat you differently. I'm going through a lot right now. You know, like, <laughs> no, but that's totally yeah. true. That's totally yeah. true because even in, I didn't have, but like the relationships with my parents through my yeah. change changed and there was a loss. Like there's a death when a relationship molds into a different way or you lose a relationship. And it sounds like it was a death of this past bond that you had and it's a new one but it's totally different Mm -hmm. yeah and I won't say like our relationship was complicated before and so like adding this into it was makes it even more like (laughs) oh wait okay so how was it complicated before can you give us Um, some just a little bit I will say he was not like a dad who's like around he wasn't a dad who I was like super close to, but we had moments, you know, he was supportive of me. He was one of the very, I will say he was one of the very few people who supported me moving to Los Angeles and pursuing uh, the film industry, which was, which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, very few people who supported me in that, but overall he like, it was a, a difficult person to get along with. Very stubborn. That has lasted through the <laughs> Alzheimer's. Uh, <laughs> That's um, like a characteristic that just stays with you. and gets worse through old age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like amplifies. Um, he, yeah. And just, just kind of a, you know, not a person who was very, not a warm person, not a very fatherly person, I would say, but you know, he's a human. And I think that's the other thing is that once your parents get sick, you kind of start to have to start viewing them as people and they're not perfect. And that is a very crazy realization for you as a child. Cause you're like, oh, wow. They had the same problems I have now that they were trying to deal with. And like, you know, Southern man of a certain age is going to not be great at having a daughter. <laughs> yeah. But I also, I do want to go back. Did you tell your team that you were going through that? Like if your oh, like agent, agent called? Yeah. My manager at the time knew sort of, and I would let them know if I was like in the hospital or something. Um, I think some of my team knew. I distinctly remember not telling, like I was supposed to go do a job or something. And then I ran and then I I kind of told the person, but not really. And this was when I was moving him out here. I had to move him. And, you know, and I ran into the person later at a party and they were like, how are you? Like giving me that look of like, how are you? Knowing what was going on. And I was like, oh, fine. And I completely played it off. Like there was nothing happening. And I'm sure the person thought either I was lying to begin with, like that nothing happened with my dad, or I was just like a total freak. I have no idea. But I was just like, I mean, I'm not going to get into it right now. I'm what do you party. mean? You don't want to talk about it at a party over a glass of champagne or... Trying to move your dad across country when he doesn't know where he is and uh, he's trying to jump out of the car the entire time. You don't want to talk, tell, tell that story. Oh, my God. He was trying to jump out of the car. Well, yeah, because we we just we told him we were going to a Mexican food restaurant and we drove him to California because uh, we just <gasps> <laughs> we had to get him out here somehow because we needed to be able to to be close. I mean, now 
now I see him, you know, all of the time, which is fantastic. Um, but we needed him here to move him and we couldn't get him on a plane. We tried, but it didn't work. So you said, dad, let's go eat some delicious Mexican food. And you put him in the car and just started driving. Yeah, we're going, we're going to the jalapeno tree. And then my brother <laughs> and I put him in the car and we just started driving. We just... When did, when did it click like, we're not going to eat chips and salsa? It would click every, around then, like, I mean, he has an interesting memory because his sort of like resets and it would mm-hmm. reset about every 30 minutes. About every 30 minutes, he would be like, I'm not, we're not, we're not in, where are we? We're not anywhere close to home. I know what that sign means. And he would start freaking out and panicking and trying to jump out of the car and threatening to call the police and all these things. Oh uh, my God. How stressful for you and your brother. That had to be like, was that like 30 minute clock coming up and you're like, oh my God, it's going to start again. It's going to start again. You learn a lot about how to like cope with this kind of stuff. I mean, it was also a two day drive. So it's not, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot to handle. Um, At some point we were able to convince him he had agreed to the trip, but it took a minute. Uh, It took, it took a long time. (laughs) Wow. When you're saying that, I'm just thinking what a loving daughter because not many children would probably deal with that. They probably would have just kept him in a home close to his place and not had to deal with that. Yeah, well, the people from his town or our town were pretty mad that we were taking him. They they thought it, they didn't like it. They thought we should leave him there. But I just, I, I mean, he would be dead. I mean, like, there's no question in my mind that he would not still be, he would not be at the level that he's at now because of the care that he's been able to have and because we're able to be there, like, just like the number of times he's had to be hospitalized and knowing that I could be there is uh, just so different. I mean, I couldn't have flown out there every single time. I don't know what we would have done. Like, if you're on a job, you can't go. Yeah, you can't. You can't leave. Yeah, like two hours on a, like, a really far flight. (laughs) Well, my other question for you is... How many people know this about your dad? Now, are you more open about it or you still kind of keep it close to your chest? Um, I'm a little open. I don't talk about it a hundred. You wouldn't know it like if you just knew me casually. I did. I do try to talk about it a little bit on social media because I know that it is helpful. Um, my, I don't know when this comes out. This is going to be relevant regardless, but uh, my dad got COVID. Um, he was he tested oh. positive. And that was, um, I like, I can't even talk about the like number that the horrifying day I had because he tested for COVID. They told me he was about to be hospitalized. I packed a bag. I was ready to go to the hospital and I called them and I was like, well, what room is he in? And they were like, you can't come to the hospital during coronavirus. You can't go. So he had to go to the hospital by himself. And I was like, no, 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 that's not how we do it. I go to the hospital. Like I, this is what we do. And I, I can be fairly controlling. And I think that not having that control was like one of the worst moments of my life. I, I literally like lost bodily function. Like I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. Um, he actually is okay now. He got through it. Oh, that's great. Uh, he was asymptomatic the entire time. He just tested positive. Um, he tested positive for a couple of weeks and then he was okay. It was very weird, but uh, they took a good care of him at the hospital as well. I'll say that. What, when you say you lost control of bodily, like, how, did you like, were you shaking? Were you like hysterically yeah, yeah, crying like, or screaming? Yeah. Like shake, like shaking on the floor, like unable to like have conversation for like a full day with anybody, you know, like you're having to deal with this because I'm still working through all of this because I'm writing and like, I'm, you know, people are calling me and I'm like, 
I can't because I can't even like have a conversation, you know, and my boyfriend kept telling me I would tell him something. And he's like, you know, you literally just told me that. Like I would repeat myself, which is my biggest fear, by the way, to start repeating myself. If you have Alzheimer's, you do not ever want to repeat You're yourself. like, I do not want this to like come. I don't want to get this also. Do you have that fear? Constantly. I changed mm. my entire life when my dad got sick. I changed what I ate. I changed like my exercise routine. I changed my hobbies and my habits. Like I do crossword puzzles now. I do brain exercises. Like I think about that all of the time. I was vegetarian before I started eating fish uh, because I because of the omega threes that they think helps with your with with keeping your brain functioning. I mean, like I really cha- I, I was vegetarian for like twenty years and I changed wow. everything. Yeah. So, who do you think holding this secret of your dad's illness has? benefited and who do you think it's harmed? Hmm. Um, you know, in some ways, I mean, I am a person who doesn't like to be super vulnerable to like forward facing. It's very, I have a lot of respect for people who do. I have a lot of respect that you're doing this because, because I do have a lot of trouble with vulnerability generally. Um, so in some ways it has harmed me because I think, you know, when I'm acting wild about something or losing my mind over something and I can't, and people don't know why that's probably very confusing. Um, and when I'm open about it, I, I, someone always reaches out and it's like, I also have a grandparent or a parent or, a, um, you know, whatever with that, with, with that. So I think the more open I am about it, the more it does actually help people and probably help people to understand the disease as a whole. Cause it's very confusing. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's tough. It's tough to deal with and it's confusing to like, cause the, and what you should do and all of the things are, are very confusing, but I have kind of the people I have talked to, like I've become that person. Like I've become this weird expert in hospitals in Alzheimer's <laughs> in like medications. Like I can talk about that. Like I know a lot and have talked to a bunch of people through it, through facilities, working with like various memory care facilities in Los Angeles. Um, uh, so, I mean, definitely being open has helped when I can be that expert. Oh, I love that. And I love how you already told me how you're moving forward, like changing your diet, taking care of yourself, doing those crossword puzzles. But what would you tell someone else that has a parent that's going through this? What advice would you give them? You know, I mean, it's so different with everyone. I mean, the first advice someone gave me and it was right, was to take over his finances, which I know is so specific, but, um, like they're going to forget to pay their bills. They're going to forget all of these things. Like they may be able to still live in the world and eat, feed themselves and maybe take their pills and things like that. But the one thing that really goes is those things that like kind of the things we all want to ignore anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to pay their bills? Not no, I. No one's clean the kitchen. You know, those, that shit is going to go. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't ask if I could cuss. Uh, it's okay. You can totally cuss on my podcast. <laughs> um, and then I think like taking a breath and coming up with a long-term plan because uh, it is going to be long-term. Like for the, I mean, maybe that long-term is a year or maybe it's 10 years and you don't really know until you like get uh, a good doctor on board um, who can help with that long-term care. And um, someone you trust, I found a really good doctor I love in Los Angeles and yeah, I mean, it's just taking a breath and trying to trying to deal with that. And then kind of, and then I guess sort of facing your own fears of mortality because what happens is your parents get sick and then you know you're next. 
Right. And we it, all die. We all die. We all die. And you start making wild decisions because you're like, well, maybe I should break up with everyone and move to a different, like you just start to lose your mind. because you're, you're like, like, maybe I should move to the middle of nowhere and not care about anything. <laughs> I definitely broke up with a boyfriend during all this. I definitely like made some weird choices that were like, I, I think because I was like looking for stability and where instead of like living the life that I knew I'd be happier with. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think like reflecting on how it's affecting you, go call your therapist, get a therapist, <laughs> because you're going to definitely have days where you do weird things uh, in reaction. Okay, just give us before you go one of the weird things you did that you wish you didn't. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> you should see her face. Her, she just like, ooh. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, my like relationship wise, I was, I was with someone who I didn't feel, feel like was handling like the gravity of the situation very well. And I probably didn't give him a chance to mm. handle it. And I sort of was like, I'm going to find someone who seems like more of an adult. Um, and I, uh, that was just the breaking up and the, the relationship were both mistakes. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> they were both not me. Um, and the, the person I ended up with was a person that I definitely shouldn't have ended up with. And was not a person. It was not, not for me at all. I think I just saw him as a stable person instead of a person I should be with. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. I thought you were going to say you like dyed your hair a bad color or something like that. I'm but sure I did. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I do, I do occasionally like throw away basically everything in my house. Um, I, I have just moments where I'm like, no, we are not living with this many papers in here. I don't care what they are. We're going to buy all this shit again. I don't know. Like I, I will throw away everything. If I had the money to start fresh every few months, I would probably just throw away everything in my house. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on and being open about this and telling us your secret. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having this show. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlivepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.